0: Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. And I believe one of, probably this is one of the most important series that we've done to date. Now, there's been a lot of things that we've talked about over the last 19 months. But I, I really believe that this is a catalyst to a blessed life, because the reality is we have to be able to fight the fight, a critical spirit and living a life that is ungrateful. You know, when we live grateful, it unlocks blessings in our life. Church, you can look throughout Scripture. And you, 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 you can look all throughout Scripture and you will never see a negative, critical, ungrateful, prideful person maintain a level of success for a long period of time. They may get to the top, but they can't stay there. And, and as believers, it's not our job to just get a little better. I believe that God comes and wants to transform our life. And you know, we're not waiting till we get to heaven to live a blessed life. We're not waiting to get to heaven so that we'll, I believe that there's some blessings that we can experience today. For us, we gotta, we got to live grateful. You know, grateful is a sign of relationship. Grateful is a sign of covenant. When you live grateful, it means that you are in relationship and there is respect, admiration, and honor for the other person that you're involved with in, the, in a relationship. You know, we want to be a thank you Jesus type of church. We do. We want to be a thank you Jesus type of church where both those who attend and our community says, come on, thank you, Jesus, for the house. Because our people are different. Not better, different. We want to be different. We want a transforming work to happen in us, permeate through us, and affect everyone outside the walls of this church. Honor has got to be the heart cry of every believer. And the the reality is, one of the ways that we live grateful is by living a life of honor. honor. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says this: "Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but with, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than him, better. Is this 2017? Better than himself? Romans chapter 13, verse 7. Render, therefore, to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs are due. Fear to whom fear is due. And honor, come on, to whom honor is due. There are two major thoughts within these Scripture verses that I want us to see. Esteem others better than yourself. And render, therefore, to all who are due. Do you know there's some people in your life that are due? And I'm not talking about, oh yeah, I got some people that are due some things. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I got a little, uh, you know, a knuckle sandwich. No. The reality is there are people that are due some things. Do honor, respect. And, and we are such a culture that wants to withdraw and remove what people are due based on how we feel. There's been a valuable characteristic that has gone missing from our society, and it's called honor. Honor. We live in a culture that dishonors people. This people because of color, political affiliation, financial success. We are actually in a place in our country where if you make money, oh, you're evil. You're, 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 wow. Oh. The reality is financial success and people criticize you. Have no financial success, people criticize you. You can't win for losing. Because of hurt and pain, culturally, our society looks at authority, come on, critically and optional. Critical and optional. Frequently, we see rants and tirades on social media constantly dishonoring people. Just a few weeks ago, a man walks into a church in Texas and opens fire, opens fire on women, children, and those attending a worship service, where's, where's the honor? Has, have we gained so much that we lost the important things that really made us great? We've gained choices and voices And opinions, and all those are great, but have we lost honor? You know, parents, when you go and drop your kids off, you know, we're doing all that we can. We're having conversations because now we're in a day and time where kids have to be timed on how quick they get under their desk. We live in a time where now, you know what, you can't just walk into a church without wondering who may walk in. And we, and 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 it's 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 a hard, it, it's convoluted because we love everybody and we're open ended, but we also got to make sure that nobody just walks through that door unless you've had a background check. And kids don't just run free. And we're we're a family church, and we love kids and we love people. But your kid stays in there until you when you check them in, and they don't come out until you check them out. And there's always an adult at that door. Don't let your kids just go to the bathroom and run by themselves and don't let just anybody take them. We love everybody. But the Bible says to be wise. Come on. We've got to bring back honor. My assignment today is choosing honor. Choosing honor. I chose the old English version of honor. The only reason that the you was taken out in the American version is to make it easier to spell. But if you're going to have dinner at the White House, like I know that many of you probably are on the way to do that, (laughs) and you're being honored in some way, the invitation is going to be in the Old English, and they're going to spell it, honor with a U. The reason I wanted to spell it this way is because, come on, we need to put the U back in honor, baby. we got to put it back and it's our responsibility not to lose honor first chronicles chapter 4 9 and 10 first chronicles chapter 4 verse 9 and 10 now jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called his name jabez saying because i bore him in pain and Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory and that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. I find this text very Interesting. I'm sure that this was probably your morning read today as you woke up and had your coffee, your cappuccino, your hot chocolate. Come on, holla at your boy. Uh, and First and Chronicles chapter 4 is about the family of Judah. And basically, it's just listing names. Just names. But what was significant about Jabez that he wanted to break from the genealogy and the listing of the names in order to, I need to draw out and I need to make sure that everyone has the attention and knows a little bit more information about Jabez. To interrupt the flow of genealogy, just to draw attention to this man's life. You know, I believe with careful attention, this verse can speak to us this morning. There are three thoughts that jump out to me when we talk about Jabez. The first is his pain. The second is that he was a man of honor. And the third is that he prayed. And I want to walk through and spend some time unpacking these three today. First, let's talk about his pain. If you're new to church Man, the prayer of Jabez was a deal in 2000, early 2000. Come on. Everybody was buying the book. Everybody was praying for their borders and territory. We were speaking to the north, speaking to the south, speaking. We were just trying to enlarge, enlarge, enlarge. Come on. And some of y'all are like, I remember that, the good old days. Um, We were all talking about the prayer of Jabez. You know what? And that's not bad. I believe that God wants to do that still today to broaden your territory and to take you and, and, to, and to create some things in you that you never even thought possible. But you can't talk about his prayer life unless you're going to talk about his pain. See, a lot of times prayer is produced by the pain that you experience. Some of my greatest prayers have been because I've been hurt the deepest. Some of my greatest and deepest prayers is because something went in our life and something was happening and something was happening with our family or something was happening with our kids or something was happening in my, in my life, in my ministry, in our marriage. And in those moments, that pain produced the ability to stay a little longer to cry a little deeper. Maybe I'm not talking to anybody today, but, but I, but I want to tell you that, that sometimes we make prayer a practice, but really prayer, deep prayer comes out of pain. There's a man who made a choice. A choice to overcome his dysfunctional beginning in order to believe that the power of God could change his territory. His very name means Pain. You see, I I like this man. You know why? Because when when people gave him labels, he made a choice to live different than his label. Come on, somebody. His label didn't make him critical. His label didn't make him mad and frustrated and vengeful. But the Bible says he was a man of honor can I tell you today that your pain produces a practice your pain will produce a practice I meet so many people victimized by what has happened to them in life. And I don't know why Jabez was given this name. But here's what I want you to see. Is that was it because of the pain of childbirth? Was it because his mom was working and she was a single parent? Was it because of economic conditions that were hard? and, And the fear of raising another child. Was he unexpected? You see, names in that day meant something. She just didn't, Jabez's mom didn't pick the, the list of the top ten names. Come on, I remember we were naming our kids. And my wife would buy these books. She'd have seven or eight books of the top hundred names. And at night she would read these names. And I, and, and I was thinking like Bill, Bob, Joe, Fred. And she was like, you know, uh, uh, Corbinish. Uh, and, and she was thinking of these w- different names. And I was like, she was like, how about this name and i was like that's weird and and no i don't know about that and i know and she was like oh it's so different and i was like yes and they have to spell it you know i, I remember us talking about these names and and so i was like what's wrong with the basic names and you know like george foreman called all of his kids george let's do that Because now I have a hard time calling the kids, calling the dog. I'm messing everybody up. If they all were George, Georgina and George, we'd be good. I'd say, hey, gee, and they would all come. (laughs) You see, names meant something. When Jabez's mother saw him, she named him pain. She named him pain. How do you think that worked out when he started dating? Dad, I've met this great man. He's so honorable. He prays. He's awesome. His territory is expanding. What's his name? Payne. Okay, no, you cannot date him. (laughs) Think about this. She named him. Out of the hurt and the trouble and the hardship that she was going through, this label that he was wearing, how did it affect him? See, he had a choice to make. His pain made him different than his brother's. You know, sometimes we get so frustrated at God because we're going through a painful process. But here's the deal the pain that I've gone through has made me a different person. Pain will either make you critical and hard or it will make you humble and empathetic. See, some of the pain that I've gone through has made me where I can look at someone and I can empathize and I and I can I, maybe I don't know your experience, but I can see hurt and pain and I can see the fact that you never wanted to be where you are and I can see the fact that there may have been missteps and I don't, I don't want to judge you because I was there. See, pain will make you hard or pain will make you humble. I remember when I was six and a half years old, I was playing outside one day, and this older boy would always come and taunt me. Taunt me, make fun of me, say words that obviously I can't say in church, and uh, talk about me, cuss, talk about. And this happened day after day after day after day. And finally, he comes one day with his new 10 speed bike with a bell. Ring! And I was still six and a half on training wheels, and he would make fun of me. You're such a baby. But see, but he didn't know. He didn't know that he was pushing on something that had labels. See, I was, uh, I was adopted from a foster home. My parents, see, we lived in a suburb area. And, and we looked like everything was put together. And there were two nice cars in the parking lot. Come on, somebody. The house was nice. The, the area was nice. This was a new upcoming area in the neighborhood. My dad was an optometrist. My mom was an, a manager of a dental clinic. And so, hey, we looked on the outside like we had it all together. But inside, everybody was fighting. And my parents were about to split up and divorce. And affairs had hit my home. So one day this kid pushed, and he pushed too hard. Started making fun and talking, and all of a sudden, I took a stake that was in the ground, some political person, some some advertisement. I ripped the sign off. I threw the stake, and it went right between the the front wheel and the spokes and the frame. And that wood, I'm talking about that bike, stopped instantly. Boom! I mean, he fell flat, busted face bleeding, and I'm sitting over there, and he's crying. There's no remorse in my heart, none. In fact, he's like, I need to go to your house, and I was like, you get off my property. My pa- He's screaming, my parents run out, what happened, what'd you do? They instantly start tending to this young man that's been hurt who doesn't have a 10-speed anymore, holla. But anyway, (laughs) that was not in my notes, and that was pretty prideful. (laughs) Going to have to repent for that one. And I remember my parents coming to me, cleaning this kid up, and saying, you are going to march to this man's house, and you're going to tell him what you did, all by yourself and you're going to tell that man what you did to his son. I'm talking about fear gripped every part of my body as I walked up the street, walked up to the house, began to knock. The knock sounded like an echo of eternity. The door opens and I'm six and a half years old and I'm Looking up, and this man that's you know six foot two comes out, and 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 he has a stutter, and obviously I'm not making fun, but but just at six and a half, and he was like, I mean, he started talking to me, and I was scared, and, and he was like, "Yes, I killed your son," <laughs> and he's like, "What?" and I was like. I hurt him really bad, and and, and in that moment, all I could think of was the excuses. The fact that it was your son's fault. This all was playing in my mind, but you know what? That moment where my parents made me started to produce a lesson in my life that moved me toward honor. You see, we are in a society where excuses ends justify the means. And everybody can make excuses for what happened. But you know what I learned that day is that when excuse, excuses are not as important as owning the part that I played. Today I'm talking to someone. Your pain can lead you to humility or hardness. See, one produces honor and the other doesn't. It's interesting how some pain is necessary to shape your heart great things can be born in your most painful moments and a painful moment all of a sudden a ministry starts in a painful moment you begin to see outreach and people differently in a painful moment but sometimes the church so wants healing from painful moments that we get mad at God when there's pain but really God positions us through it It doesn't mean that we profess it. It doesn't mean that we want it. It doesn't mean that we're excited to have it ever. But the pain that Joseph went through made him a leader like no other. The pain of Moses losing it, his parents made him a great leader. And maybe the pain, don't look at me, that you faced this last year is the very thing that God's going to use to set you up. See, I believe that a lot of ministry is birthed out of pain. Great things can be born. Don't let your pain give you an excuse to remove honor. Commit today. I'm choosing honor. I'm choosing honor in my life. The second one is this this man, he was a man of honor. Honor is defined as showing in merited respect, recognition, a person of superior standing. One who brings respect. The Hebrew word of honor means heavy, weighted, burdensome. Can it be said that for us as a society, maybe we've made too light of honor? Exodus 20 verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land in which the Lord your God has given you. We've got to make sure that we honor. And listen, none of this gets more real than when you begin to have your own family. And then some of the people in your family begin to act Differently or change the way they were brought up with, with my own family, my own mom, which I honor her and love her and appreciate her. but we had a lot of conflict. We were different ideology different ideology, different politically, different I mean every time, everything that you could think we, we were different on. And so I had to figure out how do I have my kids. Because every time we got together, it was toxic. Every time we got together, there was a fight. Maybe I'm, this is just me. Maybe I don't know anything about this. But every time we got together, there was an issue, and there was a pointed comment, and there was something said. And then we began to dialogue. How do we raise our kids where they're not influenced? And, and, and my first instinct was to pull away. And to say, well, if you're not going to do it, come on, my way, then you can't see the kids. And I was walking towards that road. And I sat down and talked with the pastor. And he just said, Stephen, you're acting like you're not the primary influence in their life. What would be better, to remove them and try to shelter them or to teach them how to love regardless of how they think (laughs) and that's what we begin to do we begin to teach we begin to train we begin to talk to our kids and set up and we love and so when situations would arise that were uh, 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 hard to deal with we would love and this last weekend my mom came up no fights no argument a lot of honor crying when she's leaving and here's the deal it took us a long time to get there you hear what I'm saying it took a long time to get there and here's what I want to say is when we honor people we honor because God tells us to honor the position not because parents are always perfect or right we honor our employer Because they're our employer, not because they're perfect. I was talking to someone the other day, and they told me something. I've been thinking about this for like two weeks. They said the higher the monkey climbs up the tree, the more you see their butt. (laughs) I've been laughing about that, like in my truck, just laughing. But it's like we cannot deal with the humanity in our leaders. And you're going to be exposed at some point in time. But you can be critical or you can honor. See, when we honor, we honor God first and foremost. That's why we come in and we worship the way we do. Well, why do y'all sing songs all the time? Well, because we honor God. We honor God. We put Him first. We're so grateful. Come on. We're stiff-necked. The Bible calls us stiff-necked and rebellious. Sometimes we got to just change our attitude, change our mind. And I've got to need someone to help me sing so, a way I don't feel right now. Yeah. And then i got to come in line with truth because if I go about how I feel, oh Lord. We honor the institutions that He's established. I'm not trying to be political, but the reality is we're in a time and season where we can't even honor the institutions. Marriage. Male and female, family. And listen, if you struggle in these areas, listen, you're not hearing me being condemning. We love all people, and the reality is we are all people that need healing and freedom and are broken in some area. So there is no judgment or condemnation. But just because I want to love you where you're at doesn't mean I want to dishonor the way God made it. There is... A way that God wants to produce health and wholeness and blessing into your life. And you can't circumvent that way. And come on, if we were all going to be honest a little bit, haven't we tried? Come on, didn't we try to do it our own way and all of a sudden it didn't work? Come on, we tried to make our own right and wrong and it didn't work. Authorities, government, teachers, police, military, pastors, church leaders, employers. We're actually in a time and season where employers are the bad guys. I'm not talking, maybe they are greedy, maybe they do have this, maybe they, I'm not talking about that, but here's the deal, if we can't honor those that made a sacrifice and, and appreciate employment, because of entitlement, because I'm owed, come on, let me tell you something, I'm the boss of my house. I'm the CEO, baby. We share kind of sometimes. (laughs) But most of the time, she lets me be the boss. And the reality is, the kids cannot like a lot of things, but they better know where the food comes from. They better know, does that make sense? They better know that the air conditioning, they better know, well, why are we in this car? Well, why do we have to do it? Well, why do we have to? You can walk, baby. Well, I want him to go to the movies. (laughs) You got a thumb? The reality is this. If we're critical of every boss and every employment and every employer, what does that do to our people? Your boss is fleshly. So are you. (laughs) We used to be a society that played cops and robbers and we all wanted to be the cop. Now we play cops and robbers. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Honor. We honor others. We honor others. Employees who work with you. Co-workers. People who contribute to society. Come on, we get to drive on roads that I wasn't the only one that paid for it. There are a lot of people contributing to make, yeah, could Rogers be a little bit better? Could Bentonville be a little better? Ah, the traffic, ah, but dear Lord, thank you for a stoplight. There are people all over the city contributing. We honor people, and here's the deal, for the few that aren't, that are down, that are defeated, We still honor life. We honor life. We honor all life. We honor life. The life in the womb, the life out. We honor life. We get it. You see, Jabez wasn't like his brothers. He made a choice. I'm choosing honor. Since July 1st, 1937, the Society of the Honor Guard has been marching in front of the tomb of the unknown soldier 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 21 steps, then 21 steps of silence over and over again to honor those heroes who fought so bravely and gave the ultimate sacrifice of their life for our freedom. Winston Churchill said this, A nation that fails to honor its heroes will soon have no heroes to honor. When we lose honor, we make everyone common and everything they've done common. And here's the deal no one performs with excellence if they're just common. We give honor. We give honor. This church has made a choice. We're going to be focused on the next generation. We are. And in doing so, we've got to teach honor. And we've got to teach the weight of honor. And that we want, to, we want to be people who have honor. Because we will never repeat what we don't honor. You will it, When you honor something, it's brought into your life. You produce what you honor. Look around. In both services, we have young and young at heart here. Come on, young at heart. Come on, you know. You see Mark on the the box today, rocking with all the kids? I loved it. Come on, y'all give me a hand real quick. (laughs) You know, the reality is we want to reach our children and youth and college. And and that doesn't mean, well, if this is a church for young people, how do I fit in? You fit in because you have experience. (laughs) Come to our life group. Come on, we have a midlife, we're calling it something different, we don't even know what we're calling it. But we want to have influence, leave a legacy, we believe that we're pioneering something, we believe that God's got a calling for our life, that we're not out to pasture. this church ain't euthanasia baby, we're going to be here and we need some people. We need some people, but the reality is our focus is long term. Long term. We're going to be here long term. We're going to grow long term. And we're going to produce the next generation. When you work in babies and tots and children, you need to know you're not babysitting for us. We're valuing that time. We're praying over our kids. We want them to learn songs. We want them to know how mighty God is. And we want to teach them to honor His name. Maybe you've been here for a while on the dream team and you've got a burden to, to, to work with our kids. I would encourage you to get with Devin and Sydney, because the reality is that is a ministry. and w- w- well It's not an obligation. It's a ministry. We bless our children. You know, the reality is when you minister to a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. When you receive an apostle, they can bless your house. But when you bless children and they're unable to pay you back, When you bless those who cannot pay you back, that is when Jesus said, I will bless you and I will reward you and I will be the one to give back to you. That's why we're focused on with Be The One and the outreaches and, and all the, the young people and the things that we're trying to do with Devin and the youth group and, and, and Adam and Courtney with our college students and all that we're doing It's because here's the deal. We want to give so much that Jesus, come on somebody, blesses this house. That's why even today in the four year we have partnered with New Beginning Children's Home. Just think, there was a family five years ago that took the financial burden and said, we're going to provide homes to children. Right now, they're housing 55 children. These children have experienced hardship, loss, pain, and we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus, come on, to help produce something in their life. Come on, that's good, that's good. And we're not worried about them paying us back. Right. We're not worried about paying them b- us back. Praise is a primary way to show honor. That's why we have thank you notes outside. We want you, hopefully God has been working on you. Because here's the deal. Remember, we're either humble or we're hard. And someone who cannot express gratitude and honor has signs of a hard heart. That's the reality. Take a few of those thank you cards. Write a few out. Come on. I know that there are some people in your life that were instrumental to your life. And here's what I want to say, especially for those of you on our dream team. We we love you. We're so grateful for you. We can't do it without you. But I realize that people are going to come and go from this church. And I know this is not normal for pastors to say. But the truth is, I'm probably not going to die pastoring the church. You're not going to see me preaching the word at 97 years old. You know what I'm saying? By then we're going to pray some young people up that got a calling on their life and they're shucking the corn and I'm back there drooling on myself talking about preaching, son. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So we're all in a season of transition. Always, all the time. Always, all the time. We're gonna honor the people who came yeah. and the people who served. Do you know there's been a few people that have even that were on the dream team that have left our church? Do you know there's not been any one of them that left that I didn't personally text and tell them thank you for all that you did to get us where we're at? Yeah. See, a lot of times what we do is because there is a riff and because there is disappointment, we sever relationships, never really acknowledging what people did for us there are a lot of people that have helped you get where you are and I'm not saying that you haven't sacrificed and you had not worked hard or you had not done due diligence but I'm just telling you if we were to look back mm-hmm. could it have been said that you refused a few people honor see because the church has to get this right Praise is a way that we show honor. Show honor. Even if there's a disagreement, show honor. The last thing is this He prayed. He prayed. He acknowledged the fact that he alone couldn't provide what he needed. He alone couldn't have enlarged his ministry or his territory or what he was had the burden in his heart. Come on, can we acknowledge for, for just between us that maybe the breakthrough that you need can't come through your education? Maybe the healing that needs to work in your life isn't going to come because you bought some new mascara. (laughs) Maybe you need to humble yourself and acknowledge and honor God as the only one who can author in. And I know that there are some of you that you are praying for real things. Physical healings. Your sons and daughters, your soul. I believe some in this room feel lost. Some have gone through a really painful year. Some are wondering, am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to be out of debt? Am I ever going to be free? Am I ever going to to get this thing that that I feel so heavy in me? Is it ever going to really? And Jabez knew who could enlarge his territory. Who could change it? And today I want to implant hope into your life. Because there's no one like our God. He alone is the supplier of our needs, He holds together the world in the palm of His hand. Oh, church, if we can learn to pray, we talk about it more than we participate in it. It was a Wednesday afternoon. Shrouded by a dense fog, and a large steam, uh, steamer edged slowly toward the coast of Newfoundland. Its foghorn crying out a sober warning. The captain, near exhaustion for a lack of sleep, was s- startled as he was tapped on the shoulder. There, he found himself face to face with an older man in his late seventies. The older man said, "Captain." I've come to tell you that I must be in Quebec by Saturday afternoon. The captain uh, pondered for a moment and then snorted, impossible. Very well, the old man responded, if your ship cannot take me, God will find some other means to take me. I have never broken an arrangement, an engagement in 57 years. Lifting his weary hands in a gesture of despair, the captain replied, I would help you if I could, but I'm helpless. Undaunted, the old man suggested, Let's go down to the chart room and pray. The captain raised an eyebrow in utter disbelief, looking at the older man like he had just escaped an insane asylum. Do you know how dense the fog is? the captain demanded. The old man responded, no. My eye is not on the thickness of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. Against his better judgment, the captain accompanied the old man to the chart room and there kneeled and prayed with him. With simple words of childlike faith, the old man prayed, Oh Lord, if it is consistent with your will, please remove the fog in five minutes. Thou knowest my engagement and that you sent me to Quebec on Saturday, and I believe it is your will. The captain, a normal Christian at best, thought it was wise to humor the old man and recite a short prayer. But before he was able to utter a single word, he felt a tap on his shoulder. The old man requested, Don't pray because you don't believe. And as I believe God has already answered my prayer, there is no need for you to pray. The captain's mouth dropped open. The old man explained, Captain, I have known my Lord for 57 years, and, he, and there's never been a single day that I have not failed to gain audience with the king. Get up, Captain, and look out the door, and you will see the fog is gone. The captain did as requested, and was astonished to find that the fog had indeed dissipated. The captain later testified that his encounter with the aged George Mueller completely revolutionized his Christian life. That he had seen with his own eyes, Mueller's God was the true God of the Bible. And he had seen an incredible power flow from this old, frail man, a power rooted in simple child like faith. I've seen God answer prayers. You see, I remember one time we were living in low income housing and my mom comes to me in our back room and it was Christmas time and when we had no money we were broke as a joke and she grabbed a few lights and had one of those plastic trees and put the lights around the tree. And she was like, that's our Christmas tree. And she just came into my room and started crying and just said, I can't do Christmas. And I need you to be positive for your sister. And she said, really, I'm praying for $200 and I'm praying for Christmas presents. And we begin to pray. Simple No, hallelujah, none of that. (laughs) Just simple. The next day she got a card from someone she hadn't talked to in years. Sent her a $200 check. Went to church on Sunday and there was a woman who felt like God had told her to buy a bunch of Christmas presents. And met my mom after service and opened her trunk. And it was full of Christmas presents. Answer so prayers change your life if you pray. I remember one time we were, I was doing a youth conference in Louisiana, in uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana. And uh, I was with uh, four or five college students, and the rain was so bad, and we were so late because of college students. You know, two o'clock means four. Uh, and so we were all in the van and and we were driving and it started raining so hard and so bad. People were pulling off and, and we were going to be late. There were 200 kids waiting on us. And me and one of my friends in the front, we were just like, dude, if we prayed, I believe the rain would stop. And uh, he was like, are you for real? And I was like, what do we got to lose? And so we just prayed the most simple prayer. And literally one minute after we got done, the rain stopped, didn't rain again, and we made it. See, I think that sometimes it's hard for the church to talk about prayer because there's been so many disgruntled people who prayed and it didn't get answered. See, I'm I'm in a 30-year prayer right now for my dad's salvation. So I'm not telling you that every prayer I've ever prayed has been answered. But I'm telling you, the prayers I never prayed were not answered. Does that make sense? See, there's a certain amount of honor that comes when you humble yourself and you begin to say, God, check this out, I need you. I need you. I need you in my career. I need you to open a door. I need you to bring me a friend. I need you to, I, I need you to heal my soul. I need you. I, ne- I need you. Honor. Today, maybe you could pray. Really pray. And if you're tired of praying, you stand firm. And you don't quit. And you don't let the enemy steal your, your, your joy and your faith. You faint not. You don't quit. Because at the end, there will be a reward. Come on, somebody. Is this good? You got to stand up with me. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.